Good day, everybody. This is Dan Young. Welcome to the Practice Blueprint Podcast. And by way of special announcement, I want to make certain that you all know we are launching the Practice Blueprint channel. That's right. Fun, simple, easy, real-life practice experience by practitioners for practitioners. Eliminating distractions, ads, algorithms, and hassles of trying to find the content you want. We call it Mentorship On Demand. So stay tuned for those announcements and be sure and join the Practice Blueprint channel. So when it comes to the, 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 the most important time management for practitioners, where I'm the highest value to my company as, is in front of a client. So that's number one. That's in an exam room or at a consultation or if I'm doing a live um, if I'm doing a, a long-distance follow-up call, okay, and we're going through the, all the 10 questions, even though I can't see them and I can't actually do an exam or an evaluation, I can at least get enough feedback from them asking all those 10 questions, which is education, bowel movements, energy, sleep, digestion, do you have any questions, have you been compliant with your program, are you doing your food logs, do you feel stable, and what's the next steps from here? Those 10 key things have to be a part of every visit, every time, every communication pattern, okay? That's what you as a practitioner get a stand on and have solidarity, that competence and confidence thing that we talked about, okay? That doesn't grow at the same time. There's days that you, know, you work on confidence, but then the competence raises and the confidence goes, right? As you understand more and you do more and you implement more and you experience more, with those clients, then that, that platform that you stand on as a practitioner is just going to get stronger and stronger. And stronger. It's less, you don't feel like you're on a skateboard on top of blocks, right? You don't have this going on in, as a practitioner. Okay. So the 10 key things on every visit from an educational standpoint are bowel movements, energy, sleep, digestion, have you been compliant, do you have any questions, what is this, the status or stability of your program? What's changed and what are we going to do for the future? Basically, those are the 10 key things that you want to focus on. And there's also an education piece, meaning what you want change for the future. Are you up on your education? Like, you're a brand new client. You've been with me four weeks. Have you attended Nutrition 101 yet? Another piece of education, right? That's free. You can do that one of two ways. The fourth Tuesday of the month, the ladies up front will take good care of you and get you scheduled in for that. Or... You can watch the video version with the handout at home. Which would you prefer? Okay. Which were the 10 things? Um, I just go across from like when I do an exam room, it goes bowel movements, energy, sleep, digestion. Then down the side is the remaining six, and it says compliance, which is just a place for like a check mark. Like, yes, we've addressed it. Here's what we're, action we're taking. But compliance, any new questions, what has changed? Is the program stable? And what are we doing? What are the next steps in the future? What is kind of a task or um, some things that we want to look at, you know, over the next two weeks, three weeks, six weeks, whatever that visit spread is for that client? What was after what has changed? You got uh, compliance, taking everything. Then you've got any new questions. Do you feel your, your program is stable? What has changed? And then the, and then the finally is, is uh, um, what, are the, what, are, what, what are the next steps? What do we need to do for the future? 
I've got it all written out on the sheet, so. Do you guys get copies of that? You know what? Let me, let me make it. I think I've got that pretty well memorized, but let's just find out. Let's see how good I repeated it. Seems how I wrote the darn thing. Long distance questionnaire. The long distance questionnaire. Let me see how close I got just from memory. How are the bowel movements? Energy, sleep, digestion. And that's not on the long distance questionnaire. Let me refer to my NK sheet. It's actually on the NK sheet. Yeah, because you have, what, six questions on the side? And then yeah, there's four across the top and six down the mm -hmm. side. I'll just grab it. Yeah. Let me just grab one. Because I know what you're you, talking about. Because everything stems from that foundational education. Grass. <laughs> Ooh, pretty grass. A cow. A cow. We're not good at cows. A cow. Like a grass. You know a cow walking on the grass? Yep, I missed food logs. I said it the first time as I went through, and then I, I didn't say it the remaining time. So here you go. Ready? Bowel movements, energy, sleep, digestion, compliance, any new questions, education, then food logs, any new changes you've noticed in the program stability, meaning what are the steps for the future? So I had it about 80% memorized. But that's what we use, and we use that every time. And the cool thing about the sheets is that when a brand new person starts the program, in their program of care, it talks about the first four to six weeks and the weekly visit. So you get to, as a practitioner, keep their entire history on one piece of paper. You know exactly what was talked about, when it was talked about, what questions you answered, what recommendations you made for the future, uh, under chief concerns or changes, you can log those things. And then, then what I do, again, a part of education equaling retention, is I see, Risa, we, we got together, say we got together on October uh, 20th or October 16th. Here we are, it's January 16th. So you're a maintenance client. It's been 12 weeks since we've spoken to each other, okay? 12 weeks. In the world of most people, 12 weeks is a long time, especially so for memory to pull up what you and I talked about, it's not good. Mm -hmm. So I always pick up in the conversation where I left off. Okay, Risa, welcome back. It's good to see you. Been a long, been a while, right? Let's revisit where we left off and I can instantly go to, in a matter of seconds, our history together. Exactly what we spoke about, exactly what the soap notes say, in terms of, and it refreshes your memory mm -hmm. as to the conversation. It reminds you of any exchanges or responsibilities that we agreed to, okay, mm -hmm. to cover. And I can, I can plug back in with you. Now, hopefully, if I've done a really good job as a practitioner, I've been in touch with you one, two, maybe even three times in between visits. Maybe three days after you left, something shifted drastically in your program, and I, you and I had to have a phone call, right? We talk about, you know, hey, i got to switch this product around or I need to take less or something like that because I'm having some kind of response that, you know, it's getting a little negative. Okay, let's just back off a little bit, right? <laughs> Typically, that won't be captured on this sheet. It'll be captured in MindBody, which is our online. Yeah, that's how we capture all those when I'm doing follow-up calls, things like that. Or it'll be in my me uh, text messaging threads. But we try to capture, like, everything. Yeah.
because when you get to the point where you're, you know, you're not trying to manage and educate five, six, seven, eight, ten clients, but you're now you're dealing with two, three, four, five hundred clients or whatever it is you want to see. It's easy for both of us to forget, you know. And it's interesting thing about clients. They, they'll walk in the door and expect you to remember everything about their case two weeks later. They'll start asking you, you know, well, remember we talked about that. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm sorry I slept since then. Let's take a look at my notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So capturing, that, capturing those pieces are, are critically important. So... Let me break down the education pieces for you because each one of those 10 has a specific, like there's 10 questions, but here's what I'm looking for so that you know, you can get a kind of a feel, okay? As a practitioner, what am I looking for when I ask the questions? It's one thing to know what questions to ask, it's another to know how to interpret the, the information coming back. And we always ask about the bowel movements first because that's the you know, weirdest question. So we get that, we'll get that one out of the way first and then we can go on to other things. Craig says we talk a lot of poop in this office. So, okay. um, bowel movements, two to three a day. Easy elimination. Person doesn't feel sluggish afterwards. They're not having sensations of, you know, 20 minutes later, gosh, I wish I could have went more, but I just can't kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Feeling sluggish and, and congested in that area, okay? That's what I'm looking for. So, when they look at me and they say, oh, two to three every day, just, yeah, really good. It's like, awesome. So you feel like you're getting good elimination. It's not sluggish. You don't feel like you wish you could go more. You know? Those are the kind of the things that I'm looking at. To try to get a feel for the, the, the environment of the gut, right? It's its own ecosystem. It is the most important area of the human body that needs to be taken care of. We have actually two brains. We have a brain between our ears that makes decisions. Then we have a brain between, above our belly button that dictates performance. Okay? This is what dictates performance. So although this one might making decisions on this one's behalf right here that aren't happy for this one, at the end of the day, this is what dictates performance. Okay? So that's why we start and finish like really focusing on GI the environment, the ecosystem, because the brain will overrule the gut to satisfy the mouth. <laughs> okay? <laughs> the brain will overrule the gut to satisfy the mouth. Mm-hmm. And that's the number one problem you're going to have with 90 plus percent of all of your clients that come to your, you know, your home office or if you rent an office space with a massage therapist, you know, and you're there two days a week and they're there, the rest, you know, whatever that looks like, right, is completely up to you. There's no wrong way to do that, okay? But when it comes to understanding, helping people really educate them that this will overrule this to satisfy this. And that's the number one thing that you have to be focused on with them, initially, right? I got a gentleman who was recently diagnosed with uh, colon cancer, it's pretty advanced. Uh, they're talking about, you know, in less than two weeks, putting a bag on his side and him having to poop in a bag the rest of his life. And the biggest fight that I've had with him is not helping him through the fear of being diagnosed with cancer. The biggest battle I have had is having him understand that this is making decisions that influence this because he won't get this straightened out. It's just that simple. There's no way around that. That has to be paramount in people's minds and the faster we get them 
down that path to understand that, that the brain overrules the gut for the mouth's sake, right? That's the habit. That's the number one habit. I don't care if they come to see you if they're 15 or 82, male or female, they're complaining of hormones, headaches, insomnia, they can't, uh, they got no energy, um, they're dizzy all the time, they have high blood pressure, no meds will touch it. Those don't matter. All of that doesn't matter. They're symptoms of the problem. And the real problem is between the ears overruling the gut for the mouth's sake. That is a concept that you have got to have down. That it, it always stems back to that, always. And this time of year, we see it more than ever. Oh, I fell off my program and I felt it. You know, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like doing food logs over the holidays. Forget it, yeah. right? Just forget it. So, so bowel movements, key. Number two, energy. When we ask people about their energy, and I always ask, well, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being perfect, how would you rate your energy? And one of the questions you never accept is a seven. Seven is always neutral. Seven is non-committal. Seven is a default number that people will just throw out there and it doesn't mean anything. Here's what I always say back to them. Well, if you couldn't pick a seven, do you think you're closer to a six or closer to an eight? Well, eight makes them commit though. I got really good. I got pretty good energy. Six is really the truth. I wish it was better. (laughs) Okay. So that's the energy piece. Sleep, same scale. If you could pick a number between 1 and 10, 10 being perfect and 1 being lousy, tell me about your sleep. Again, 7 is not an acceptable number. If you could not pick uh, 7, would it be closer to 6 or closer to 8? Part of the reason, I guess part of the challenge, I guess is a better way to put it, that people have such health challenges, they've, they've been misinformed. It's been suggested to them all their lives that medical doctors and the modern establishment of disease care management is the best and only way to go. <laughs> and so I'm just going to relinquish the responsibility for all that to you, doc. Yeah. <laughs> right? And you see it. You're in, you're in the medical profession, right? You see it all the time. That philosophy pervades through every kind of care. Okay? And so our, part of our biggest jobs as practitioners when it comes to the educational piece is to break those cycles. We have to have a positive disruption on them so that they want to. We have to go back to tell, show, try, do. Let me tell you about a friend of mine. She was only pooping once a week, had the terrible allergies. She had you know, headaches all the time, body aches, her joints ached. As soon as we got her bowel, and when they ask you, why are you asking me about bowel? Why is that so important? Oh, let me tell you a story. Tell, show, try, do. Always revert back to that concept. When they ask about why is digestion system, oh, I got a guy had acid reflux all the time, couldn't lay it down. We come to find out that when he was combining these kind of foods, that's what was doing it. He was taking stuff. They said, oh, you're going to have to have surgery for a hernia. He didn't have to do any of that stuff, right? So that's why. Sleep, same thing. Ten's awesome, one's lousy. Give me a number. Digestion, there's three specific questions on, or four, excuse me, on digestion. Gas, bloating, nausea, heartburn. And I'm going to write, I'm going to give you a little bit of information on all four. So gas, then bloating, nausea, heartburn. Let's talk about gas first. Anytime that you have, let me back up, anytime you have any of those symptoms, consistently, over time, 
There's some things going on, but here's the two things that I find always going on. Number one, this person's digestion is faulty. Okay? They don't have enough either hydrochloric acid, specific enzymes, amylase, lipase, protease, or uh, pepsin, whatever, whatever those are. Okay? And I'm not going to get into the technical side of it because I always avoid the technical side because clients don't care about the technical and they don't care about ingredients. They care about results. Are you getting me the results I'm looking for? Yes or no? Okay. So their, their, their digestion is off. There could be lacking enzymes and, and hydrochloric acid. Their food combining could be off. But here's the worst case scenario when it comes to gas. They actually have food particles that are fermenting in their guts, off-gassing. They actually have a fermentation taking place. We got 26 foot of piping between the mouth to the anus, okay? 26 foot of piping. In that piping, 20 foot of it has the surface area of a tennis court. This stuff can hide out, you know, the little villi that are on the small intestine where the chime, the liquid food rolls over, and that's what absorbs it when it's ready for the bloodstream, goes to liver, liver processes, voila, the rest of the body's nourished, okay? But it has to come from the gut first. That's why it's the most important brain. So when that happens, and these residues get left behind in the valleys, or the, there's some mucosal stuff that develops holding that stuff back in these little finger-like protrusions, people can eat and violate their diet for decades before this stuff really starts showing up as problematic. But there's always indicators. Yeah, I've had gas all my life. Really? Well, you might have had a fermentation in the gut all your life to some degree. And there's times when it's lesser than more. Say the person made a mistake and had a nodding acquaintance with a piece of fruit and ate it, or a salad and ate it, and the fiber helped pull it out. So then the gas kind of comes down. You see what I'm saying? So those are the experiences that people have all their lives, but because they're subtle, they don't seem to really disrupt the flow of what they want to do. They don't give it any consideration. They don't put any value on it. And these are all subtle indicators, okay, that there is problems brewing. But then 30 years later, 50 years later, then they get diagnosed yeah. with colon cancer. See? That's where all this stuff stops. If, if this is a cliff right here, this chair is a thousand foot cliff and I'm right here, right? This is not a good place to be. And modern medicine is really good at reaching out and grabbing me and keeping me from going over the cliff. They're really good at that, okay? Here's what we're really good at. You guys, there's a cliff over there. And what you're doing is taking you towards that cliff. So let's just detour that. Let's stop that now. But in the moment, you don't feel threatened. In the moment, you don't feel fear. In the moment, you don't feel any urgency, right? Mm -hmm. So you keep walking towards the cliff because you don't think there was any value. Mm -hmm. So we actually position people to avoid the cliff. Modern medicine, in some cases, not all, <laughs> catches people as they're going over the cliff. That's the difference. And that's the education piece that we have to get across to the people we're working with. That's the value that you bring as a practitioner. Okay? Gas, so fermentation. Bloating. Okay? Again, more fermentation. Maybe some rancidity from oils. Nausea is toxins. 
Heartburn is um, when meat is not being, and fats and proteins aren't being properly metabolized. <clears throat> and meat is putrefying. So you got fermentation, putrefication, rancidity, and toxins. You ever meet somebody when they talk to you, their breath was so bad you couldn't hardly look at them, it almost made you vomit? <laughs> Called halitosis, okay? And they're brushing their teeth and they're doing their, you're right, you're, you're dental, you're right, they're doing the, what they're supposed to be doing. That is purely 100%. Unless they have an infection that's bad in here, and they already know it if they do, that's coming from the gut. My boss actually caught somebody, his, his breath was horrible. He said, go to your doctor. Yep. He had cancer. Yep. So. Yep. And if he wouldn't have said anything, he would have died. Yep. He caught it in time. Yep, good. It was like really cool, actually. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, that is always a gut issue. Yeah. So again, the, the biggest piece that we're fo- that I'm really shifting gears on is focusing about the two brains and the mouth in the middle thing. That concept, I'm really going to start hammering super hard with everybody. We have got to get that across to people, you know, in an effective way and let them know that, hey, you're heading towards a cliff. Yeah. You know? So then when it comes to compliance, here's where people make the mistake on number five, compliance. Practitioners and clients alike make this mistake. Compliance is not just, are you taking supplements? Okay. Compliance has to do with four areas that make 80% of the difference in how your body performs. We have to incorporate rest patterns, movement, and lifestyle. So we kind of talked about rest, kind of talked about that in the, in the, you know, the energy sleep question kind of category kind of brings it up there. But lifestyle and movement. Here's what I'll tell people because they'll ask all the time, well, how much exercise should I do? How much do you want to do? Because the guys that go to the gym six days a week for an hour a day, their body's in training for something. It perceives it's in training for something. And they have a uniquely different set of needs nutritionally than somebody that goes 20 minutes a day, three days a week. On top of all the walking or, you know, taking a walk with the dogs or, you know, extracurricular activities. But if they're actually doing 20 minutes a day, three days a week, then that's enough. That's, that's good movement. And the kind of movement that you want to do is more respiration than weights. Like when I go out of the gym, I do go to the gym between four and six times a week. But twice a week is just 30 to 40 minutes just on the bike. I'm just sitting there. I'm listening to a podcast or I'm watching a video on work I do or whatever. Or this little one, whatever I'm doing, right? And I'm just, I'm just movement. Getting the respiration up, getting the heart rate up, getting some perspiration going, right? That's what I do. So my body is not in training mode. So therefore, it doesn't need any additional specific needs nutritionally okay superfood is amazing a couple of scoops a day boom you're gonna cover all that but if I'm doing if I'm pushing myself further than that then the body from a metabolic standpoint then now you're starting to work with somebody who's a trainer like one of our one of our practitioners we just love her that she'll be here next month Sky um, she's a cyclist she's an avid cyclist right she's an avid cyclist okay all the time all her pictures has nothing to do with her business it's always about her out cycling right 
on her on her page. But she attracts people from that world. Okay? So the needs of those kind of folks is a little bit different than 80% of the people that come to see you. Their needs are going to be very basic, very simple, and if they'll execute on them consistently with some patience over time, they're going to get the results they're looking for. Okay? Um, so compliance has to do with supplementation. Food logs is part of compliance. From, from that compliance word down where it talks about questions, education, food logs, changes, this all falls under compliance. All the remaining questions has to do with compliance. It really supports compliance for that client. Are they really um, embracing certain things? Not, no one does this perfectly, myself included. You know, my dietary patterns are probably 93 to 95% on point. They're not perfect. And yes, I do food logs. And yes, I take supplements. And yes, I get checked regularly. And yes, I move. And yes, I rest well. I'm resting well, better now than I have in a long time, which is really kind of odd to me. I don't know. Whatever I'm doing, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, and I'm a kind of person, if I get six hours of uninterrupted sleep, I am bionic. But if I get interrupted sleep, I'm useless the whole day. If I sleep three hours and I wake up for some reason, I'm done. That day is shot. But if I can sleep six hours, yeah, bless you, six hours. If I get six hours uninterrupted, man, I can rock and roll for an 18-hour day. Easy. Hit the gym at 5.30, come home, time with the family, do my thing, get to here by 8.30, review my stuff from Sunday or whatever it's going to be for tomorrow. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of my routine. That's just, that's how I like to operate. That's how I like to, to, to go. So. So taking supplements, following food recommendations, uh, you know, when we look at uh, questions, your questions are going to typically be around, what I'm looking for is, are they asking me questions about one of three things? Here's the three things. How long did it take to get results? Which, by this stage, you've already kind of answered some of that. But that'll come up still, especially early on. When should I see a difference, you know? Um... The educational piece on Nutrition 101, when they're going to get plugged into that, fourth Tuesday of every month, make sure they're getting that. If they don't pose that question, I pose it for them. You know, hey, we've got more education coming. Let's get that in place. What were the three questions? Um, and then the third one is, um, is there anything about your program that you don't understand? Anything about your program you don't understand? How long could it take, you know, getting results? Kind of reaffirming that form. And I'll give you the answer to that question, by the way, for everybody. Especially when they're new. When I put someone on a program, I always look at them and I say, look, give this five to seven days, see how you're responding to it. Let's see how your body responds. Because part of your education process with clients has to include reprogramming them to understand what you're doing, okay? Most people go to an office, they're given a script, and in their mind, if I take that, it's gonna do something for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to pay attention to anything else mm-hmm. that I'm doing, my bad habits, lifestyle, not sleeping well, up playing games all night, whatever, yeah. okay? They think, I'm gonna take this, and it's gonna do something for me. Nutritional therapy is completely the opposite. Here's what we're doing with nutritional therapy. We're giving your body what it needs to perform with. 
so it can perform optimally, so it can perform by design. However you choose, like whatever words resonate with you on that, okay? But that's what we're doing. So I'm not looking for Szymes to do something for your digestion. What I want to see is over the next five to seven days, what does your body do with that support for the digestion with Szymes, right? Like how is your body responding to it? How is it using that raw material? How well is it going to restore function, right, and performance? Because people will take something, even to this day, they'll think, oh, that's what did it. It's like, no, your body was now given what it needs to perform optimally. We want to completely separate this notion that, that's why the term functional medicine just drives me nuts. Whoever out there in the world thought it would be a good idea to call nutrition medicine needs to have that reevaluated, right? Nutrition is not medicine. Nutrition is nutrition. It allows the body to do what it's designed to do, perform naturally. You know what performing naturally means? Disease-free. That's what that means. Medications will not ever do that because they don't have the genuine replacement parts to restore, rebuild, and repair. The only thing that you can give the human body that will restore, rebuild, and repair is food, food concentrates, herbals. Uh, there's other you know, aspects of maybe some essential oils, things of that nature that are very beneficial because of their, you know, they have the energetic properties, but they don't even contain the genuine replacement parts. Food, whole food, concentrates, and herbals. That's what has the, what the, the body needs to perform. So when we go through that educational process or the, you know, the kind of the under the compliance piece, those are the, this is how you're going to have to educate your clients and you're going to be really consistent with it over and over and over again to really let anchor their education on, on the truth. Drugs mask symptoms and nutrition improves performance. There's the, the world's apart. They're going in two different directions. Okay. That's why when we look at somebody, you know what, uh, Risa, we're going to do some S-Symes for, you know, we're going to do a couple every meal for the next uh, four to six weeks. Let's see how your body responds to it, probably next five to seven. We'll see how it's doing with that. Um, but well, that's long enough, right? Instead of saying, you know, Risa, here's your Pepsi Day C, see you next year. Yeah. Right? Because that's what happens. Well, with nutrition, you don't do that. You give what we think the body's going to be able to perform best with. You get compliance in place with it for a while, and let's see how the body responds. We know after that trial period, your body really liked that one. I've had people come in here that's been here for as long. They, will come up, they walk in, they have their little bag of two or three things that they're out of, right? And they don't even ask me to look at them anymore because whether I put it on the sheet or not, they won't let me take those away from them <laughs> because their diet, their lifestyle, movement, stress, whatever it is, they haven't changed anything about that. that. That rut's in place. They've only changed it so far, okay, by this point. So they know those two or three are staples. They're never going away, DSF and male or whatever, okay? Those aren't going away because my body performs really well on this. Man, when I'm not on those, right, I can feel it. Now, that's, there's a good and a bad to that. The good is they know what you're doing for them is helping them and it's working and their body's performing better. The bad is they're still doing something that forces their body to need the extra support. So there's still a pattern in place, right? 
when we were working with a clinic in, in Florida, one of the practitioners always said, if I have a client who's been on a program for a while and they go off of it and they miss a few days and they don't notice any drop in how they feel, been off it for a few days, maybe even a week, I know they're on the right thing. And I'll say, well, explain that. He says, I will. When you're taking the right nutrition over time, you're restoring and rebuilding and repairing function. So when you take some of that away for a while, the body should still be able to perform for a while until those deficiencies start showing up again. Okay, because this builds up, a lot of these things build up in the system a little bit. So then when they start to crater after a week or so, five days, seven days, something like that, they start to crater, then you know you're on the right thing, but maybe just not the right amount for long enough. Okay? Or they're still doing something in their diet, lifestyle, stress patterns that's forcing their body to need that specific nutrient. Okay? So these are just some of the things as we get deeper with cases that you have to be aware of. You don't have to educate them on this stuff right up front, but you just have to be aware of it when you come with those conversations because you will have to have those conversations at some point. Why is it when I quit two days worth of DSF, I just crash? Oh, well, let's, let's take a look at your food logs, right? Let's take a look at digestion, sleep, energy, bowel movements. Let's look at the basics and find out where there might be some interference that this is helping your body make up for, right? One of the biggest things from an education standpoint that we don't want we try to avoid as best we can is when uh, clients, um, when they think that uh, um, the supplementation is, um, is a replacement for the, for the diet. Like we don't want this to ever be, that's why they're called supplements, right? That's where the term supplement comes from. We don't want them to ever put this in a hierarchy above Diet, lifestyle, stress, movement. Diet, lifestyle, stress, movement. These are the four things that we have got to look at first, and then we'll supplement what's missing, okay? To help your body restore, build, and repair. One of the things that I always do with most people, especially like in the very onset of their education with orientation class, is we'll talk about um, how when they're missing certain things, that uh, don't confuse you know, the, the supplements for replacing these things. We have to look at these patterns. You have created the environment and the circumstances your body's trying to thrive in. So in essence, you've created, you've contributed to creating insomnia. You've contributed to creating the hormone imbalance. You've created this, you've had a hand in this. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people want to say, oh, well, it's genetics. Well, it is, 30%. The other 70% is diet, lifestyle, stress, and movement. Your, your habits, right, is what it boils down to. So let's evaluate your habits, see if we can't adjust or shift those a little bit over time, right? So that you, when you start developing better habits and your body performs better, the need for supplementation might shift, diminish, get less, right? I'm sure you've seen that with Craig. It's gone up and it's gone down, hadn't it? Yep. It's gone up and it's gone down. And, and when it's down, it's because there's some things dialed in, a little better, less stress or something, right? Or you just come off vacation, everybody's program comes down when they just come off vacation. Why? Because their stress is way less. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's times when it bounces back up, right? Yeah. Diet, lifestyle, stress kind of caught up with me a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Got off track. Yeah. 
got off track with the diet. Usually is where it starts. So, so that's why continuing to go with food logs is, is so important. And that's why when we look at food charts under education, unless they're on the phase one food program, unless we've found yeast as a problem, or we have found some specific foods that they need to avoid, okay? Um, 80-20 is the rule of thumb there. We're looking for six veggies, two fruits, one starch, and one protein daily. Now they can have more, they can have more seeds and nuts, they can have eggs, you know, those are other proteins, but they're not meat protein, which is fine. Six two one one is is great for that, okay? Um, that's a very basic a model of eating that does, from a broad spectrum, provide body with, with the replacement parts, okay? When you get a nice salad, it's got like different colors to it, colors of the rainbow, um, you know, one or two pieces of fruit a day, preferably apple and orange, or a banana and a caracara, or whatever, okay? And it's whole fruit eaten by itself, not with other food. The reason you don't want it with other food is it can also create a food combining problem. It creates a digestive Concern for a lot of people. Raisin bran's got to be the worst thing a person could ever eat in their life. Raisins with bran. <laughs> talk, about, talk about setting the gut up for fermentation and gas and all this other stuff. So 6211, and that comes from Dr. Bernard Jensen's work. Um, he wrote a book several years ago called Chemistry of Man. Chemistry of Man from the nutritional certification side for becoming an ND was critically important. Um, he was a PhD in nutrition, naturopath, chiropractor, organic farmer out of California. I mean, this guy did it all. Traveled the world, saw 400,000 clients worldwide in his lifetime when he was practicing as a, as a naturopath. I mean, he is the gold standard. He's written over 60 books. He wrote one book, and he, and he got little individual books that are about this size. He wrote a book that size. He's got about 50 this size. And uh, rheumatoid arthritis gone in eight weeks. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Cardiovascular disease reversed eight weeks. Right? I mean, he just, and he just lays it right out there. If you do this, if you do this, this is what happens. Hmm. Right? When you make the right choices. When this doesn't overrule this for this. Right? There's where the... That's where the disconnect comes in. So food loss. 6211 is what we're looking for, an 80-20 ratio, meaning 80% vegetables and fruit, 20% other foods, breads and meats and things of that nature, primarily cheese, dairy. Um, and most people, when they first come here, the average person is right at about 60-40 on that split. They're about a 60-40. And so the goal with food logs, especially the first four to six weeks, from an education standpoint with a client, is to position them to understand that we never, ever, ever use food logs to beat you up. We're not going to food shame you, as Becca likes to say, right? And she's absolutely right. We use food logs to gather a pattern of eating so we can share with you, Christy, here's what's missing. Next week... Add in one more piece of fruit every day and we'll see how you do. Not, oh, you've got to change this and this and this and this and this and this. You know, we never want to overwhelm people with too much to do. They're already, it's, it's a big change already. They're taking supplements two to three times a day. They're writing down food, which they've never done. I mean, there's so much change 
taking place that it's easy to get overwhelmed, okay? So when I see a food log, week one, Christy brings it in. I say, Christy, you're at 60-40 this week. Thank you for turning in the food log. Here's what's missing. Next week, I want to see an extra piece of fruit on every day somewhere. You get to choose it. Have a nice day. So now she knows I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, but now I'm focused on adding back nutrition that's missing. I'm not beating her up about the Reese's peanut butter cup or the ding dong or the, or the Mountain Dew, okay? I'm saying add what's missing back, right? And then over time, what's going to happen, see it happen all the time, over time what will happen is your new habits between this making better choices for this and this don't matter so much anymore, okay? Your body starts restoring, rebuilding, repairing, coming out of stress, doing better. Hormones start to balance out. Weight kind of starts to melt off a little bit. Less aches and pains, blah, 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 blah. Okay? That, we see it happen every single time. But it's got to be presented in a positive way from these sheets. She comes in. She adds in the fruit. Now she's at 65.35. Awesome. Well done. Here's what's missing. You're averaging about four veggies a day next week. Keep what you're doing now, but next week we're going to add an extra vegetable now. Get you to 70, 30, and then 75, 25, right? And then six weeks in or six months in, that doesn't matter either, by the way. Six weeks or six months, Christy's at 80, 20. She has all these new habits developed. It was a fun experience. It wasn't drudgery. Oh, he's going to beat me up over my food logs again, right? It was a fun experience. She's empowered. She knows she's empowered. This no longer overrules this for the sake of this, okay? You see how that, it's magic. It's absolute magic. But it takes time, it takes patience, it takes consistency. But nobody's ever done this perfectly. Nobody's gonna do it perfectly. And that's why these 10 questions are so important. Food logs are the most valuable thing you'll ever get somebody in tune with doing. It's been my experience. They'll understand these pretty quickly. Bowel movements, energy, sleep, digestion, you know, okay, compliance is more than just supplements. All right, I'm asking some questions about, you know, how long could it take? What's the next piece of education? You know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But food logs of the 10, getting people to really understand the value, educate them the value of that one thing right there opens the doors to more cases than anything else. And here's the biggest mistake we as practitioners make. My confession, letting people off of food logs too soon. That's my biggest mistake in clinical practice, is letting people off food logs too soon. They'll come in, and week one, 75-25, I'm excited about it. Week two, it's 80-20. Week three, it's 80-20. Week four, wow, 85-15, you nailed it. And I let them off food logs in six weeks, and 12 weeks later, they're complaining about all these problems again, and I forgot to keep, keep them on food logs, because it wasn't long enough to get that, make sure it was a habit. Is this, am I seeing a true habit of your eating or are you presenting your best picture for me for six weeks? Yep. I've, I've got people that have been on food logs for over two years. I've been on food logs for over two years. At a stretch, right? Because when people ask me and they beat, want to beat me up about food logs, and I'll say, okay, well, pick a day. Oh, October 7th from 2019. Okay, there it is. That's what I ate that day. Good, bad, or indifferent. There it is, right? So most people are really reluctant to do food logs. They're kind of, you know, but it is the key to getting good long-lasting results because that's where the habits begin. 
Most people are already in the habit of taking some kind of pill before they get here. That's not something you've got to get them into a habit of doing. Most people already realize, they understand, I need to rest, I need to sleep, I want more energy, I want better energy. My tummy's always upset, right? They're already, they're already on board with yeah. you know, experiencing a lot of the negative side of what we're going to talk about. We're going to reverse that flow. But the food log is the key. Food logs are the key. Finally, when I'm asking about any changes, um, basically, you know, what have you noticed that's improved, what hasn't improved, uh, by how much, that kind of thing. I'm trying to gauge and help them gauge how is their body responding to what we're asking them to do. Because again, we're not using nutrition to mask a symptom. We're using nutrition to replace what's missing so their body can perform optimally by design. Okay? That's, that's the, the, the kind of things that we're looking for in change. And lastly, the program stability. Kinesiology is, gonna, is what we use to determine every visit, how stable are they. Now, here's what I like to do with new clients, because each of you are going to be working this from a new client perspective. You're not maintaining business with right clients right now. You're looking at this from brand new, established, you know, getting clients going. So when you do that and you check for program stability, and most people's programs when they first start, uh, the average program size is going to be anywhere from three to five supplements, usually. I like to stay at no more than four to six. If I can keep their program, and I know, and if I can keep it around four to six, that is not beyond the, the psychological or economic realm for most people. Okay? So just remember that as a practitioner, you're trying to keep these programs, but you also have to remember you're getting results. I want to see them get as best results as possible too. So I have to balance between not overwhelming them with too many supplements and getting the results that we're looking for. Sometimes programs go up a little bigger, right? And then sometimes they'll bounce back down. But the rule of thumb is three to five is the range. I like to be in four to six max on supplementation, okay? I got a practitioner in, uh, in Green River called the other day and she says, I'm testing this guy and he's, he's showing for yeast, he's showing for virus, and he's showing for bacteria all at once. Well, that's a six or eight bottle program just to handle the immune system. And so what I'm doing now with that is I'm having them prioritize when they're doing kinesiology, have them prioritize between which one is, where does he want the nervous system to start? Is it viral, is it bacterial, is it, is it, is it fungus? And whichever one stays weak is where the body would prefer to start. That's the weakest area of the immune system. Now, I've never taught that before um, because unfortunately, individual people that are doing this work and helping people get on path, on, on, on track with nutritional therapy, they're improving. But as a whole herd, as a society, as a nation, man, these people are running towards a cliff, you know? And so we're, we're like a drop in the bucket, you know, trying to make impact. That's why I love having practitioners come here and learn this and, and, and want to embrace doing it. Even if you're only helping two or three people a week, doesn't matter. doesn't matter the number of people. That that's two or three more people from the herd you're saving from going off the cliff, right? So when it comes to program stability um, and understanding that when they're new, is you put those two or three bottles on them, and then recheck their program. Check a, there's a thing in kinesiology, I don't know if they talked about it, in, in, I don't know if April touched on this in the, in the exam room portion, but it's referred to checking in the clear, okay? 
And I'll finish with that and we'll take a little break. Checking in the clear. Checking in the clear means that you've de determined that they have a good indicator muscle, that they're calibrating well. Calibration's right here. Did she do some of this with you guys? Yeah. Calibration. Mm -hmm. So you do the calibration, okay? Check adrenals, stretching the arm, right? See if it stays intact. Checking for blocked regulation. Checking electric stress with a phone. And then checking switching. And that's with nothing on the body. Okay? The switching, confusion. Okay? Then what I like to do with newbies is I'll put their program on their body and then recheck all that. Good indicator muscle with the program. They've got wheat germ oil, enzymes, and superfood on them. Okay? They've got the program on them. Now they're no longer in the clear. You have actually added those supplements into the exam. It's part of the exam now. In the clear, there was nothing on them. Now you've got their program on them. Okay? Intact muscle, calibration, adrenal, electric stress, blocking, switching. And then do a body scan with their program on them. Here's why. You can check them in the clear and no new stress patterns will show up. Put their program on them. You're addressing digestion, nutrition, and the scar tissue stress. You take that down as far as the exam is concerned. Then when you do your exam, if there is another layer of stress, it'll come on display. Otherwise, it might not come on display. Kinesiology is no different than these cell phones that we have. This is the best way I know to explain it, okay? Each one of these little app icons takes you somewhere different in the system. And so when you touch notes, it brings up that specific system. When you go out of that and you touch files, well, that's a totally different system, okay? The human body, when you're using kinesiology, is exactly identical to that. You've got a person lying on a table, okay? And they're giving you an intact muscle, and you touch heart, liver, spleen, right? And you're bringing these electrically on display. Does that make sense? It's exactly the same concept. Exactly. So then when you put the program on them, and you're supporting those three or four key things and you're not checking them in the clear anymore, now you're checking with their program intact, you'll see if there's any of these that actually come up as active again. And you'll see if there's new activity. If not, leave them alone. Their program is stable. Leave them alone. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Practice Blueprint, the podcast. In order to get connected with us, by way of Facebook or online or with our LinkedIn accounts, check us out at our website, countrydoctorwholesale.com. It's countrydoctorwholesale.com. There you can get plugged into a number of resources, give us feedback, ask questions, find out about future practitioner events, and be plugged into the Practice Blueprint Manual, which does provide over 20 hours of continuing education credits for practitioners that need it. It is a accredited nationally program with the ANMCB and the AANWP. 
So again, thank you for tuning in and we look forward to catching you next time on Practice Blueprint, the podcast.